Welcome to uh, Valentine's service. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Jericho Road Church. Uh, I'm glad you guys are here joining us in person and online. Let's start out with our shouts. What do we do? We, we love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. So we're in this special one day only series. One day, one day, one day only. Luckily it's Sunday, just like that truck show, right? Like those monster trucks. One day we're talking about God's love as part of uh, this is actually a favor to our pastor, Peter. He's uh, doing a dissertation in preaching, and so apparently I have to be the guinea pig or something like that. I'm not sure exactly why I'm doing all his work for the dissertation, <laughs> but something like that is going on. And so we have this one-week uh, topic of, of great love, um, but I'll tell you, great love can't be covered in one week, especially if we're talking about God's love. I mean, if we had a 10-week series, we still wouldn't be able to discover all of the things about God's love for us because His love is so pervasive in scriptures. Love is the principal axiom in which God navigates in this universe. It's how He operates with human beings, and it's who He is as an entity. He has existed eternally in a, in a relationship of love as a triune God. It's captured in this short phrase here. There's no greater love, so we strive to know greater love. I think we have a picture for that. There's no greater love, so we strive to know that greater love. 30 years ago and 70 pounds ago, I encountered God's love for me. I was sitting in a church sanctuary in Irvine, just kind of like this, uh, now, I gave my life to him in my apartment, but I met him, or, or probably more accurately, he met me in the middle of a normal, everyday, regular Sunday service. It wasn't special, it wasn't a revival, it wasn't a, it wasn't a retreat. I just had showed up at this church uh, to see a cute girl, and on that morning I encountered powerfully the love of God without even trying to. I mean, I wasn't there for God, but he was there for me. So my prayer this morning is as I sort of thought back about when I experienced God's great love for me, my, my prayer for us this morning is that we can encounter each of us God's love fresh again this morning. And some of you, it may be your first time that you experience God's love, that finally your heart is open and you, and you, and you get it inside and you're moved supernaturally inside. And, and for some of us, it may be our thousandth time where we're here again and we say, God, I've experienced your love, but, but God, I need it again this morning. So I've said it before that our, our church is full of professional believers. And by that, I, I mean that, that we've been following Jesus for, for a significant amount of time. And I think most of our church members, they're fairly well-versed in Christianity and this church thing. And so every now and then, I think it's important to slow down and really allow Scripture to sink deep within us, within our souls. And if you're new to church, then this is really helpful because slowing down helps you to really get it, uh, what we're talking about. And, and so that being said, we're only going to look at one verse this morning. That's it. Not a lot, just a single verse and a single idea. Today's verse comes from 1 John chapter 3, a chapter which I call God's love note or love letter to us. So let's look together at how God expresses his love to each of you. It's in 1 John 3 and 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. 
boom, right there. Like that's, you know, modern day. That's bars right there. No more sermon needed. You just take that home. You're good. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I recognize that I say that almost every other Sunday probably, that that's my favorite verse in the Bible. But what can I say, though? I love the Bible, so that kind of works out like that. So we're going to slow dance through this verse this morning. It starts out with C. Look is really what it's saying. Yeah, I saw you jump in the back. Hey, heads up. (laughs) Pay attention. To see with your mind, but to perceive to pause and take into your soul's understanding. That's what this word see means. The word cries out a warning. Read the other scriptures uh, with a glance, but make sure to pause and truly understand what is coming next. That's the purpose of it, to shake you awake. Open your eyes and notice. Because how many of us get to the Bible and we read, but we don't see? We look, but we don't notice. We're professional Christians. We knew this verse. You could have quoted it with me. And you didn't see it. It just went right over. Reminds me of like uh, my my kids. Uh, All of you who have kids that are maybe after about six, seven, eight, when they start to be a little bit independent, you can ask them to go get stuff sometimes. Like, uh, hey, can you go grab that from the fridge? You know, so we need a ketchup. And I told Ethan, say, Ethan, could you go grab the ketchup from the fridge? And he goes over to the fridge. And I know there's ketchup in the fridge. You know, I had seen it before. He opens the fridge, looks in the fridge, comes back. No ketchup, Dad. No ketchup in the fridge. Sorry, we're going ketchup. Fries without ketchup today. I said, I'm pretty sure there's ketchup in the fridge. Like, you didn't look. You looked. He said, oh, I looked. It looked good. So okay. Well, let me go check just in case, you know. So I walk over there. Open the door. Our economists are on the side of the door. Dead center, big red, not a small one, like the big Costco red ketchup right there. Center door. Yeah, great. Fantastic. So my son's like, you know, special or something, you know. So I thought a few years later, my, my daughter, you know, say, hey, sweetie, can you go grab the milk from the fridge? She goes, go, go to that, come back. She says, oh, there's no milk. I says, no milk. Mom didn't buy milk. Mom always buys milk. Mom never lets us not have milk. I got cookies and I need some milk. So I go there, panicking, open it up. Center shelf, right in the middle where we put our milk all the time, is a jug of milk. Now it happens to be, be behind an apple, so perhaps the apple was blocking my daughter's view of this jug of milk. And I don't know what front it. So if you've had kids and you've asked them to go find something in their room or this or this, and they cannot find it, you walk in, it's on their bed, right? <laughs> like, how did you not see that? And that, this is what the warning of the scripture is telling us right here. It's saying, look, but you've got you to gotta actually see it. You've got to notice it. You've got to take it in. Don't just like, look, oh, I don't see it. Don't just let the words run over you this morning because as professional believers, we're so tempted to. You've heard this a thousand times. How many preachers have told you that God loves you? A billion. And you're like, oh, there it goes again. But Paul says, uh, he says, look. I mean, John says, look. It's right in front of us. Look. Don't miss it. Don't let it be the milk or the ketchup or the, or the thing that was on the bed. Sometimes things are right in front and we don't see them. I think people often say, if I, if I could only see God or see a miracle or something like that. But they can't because they won't look. You'll never see what you refuse to look for and you 
and refuse to notice when it's right in front of you. I think of the Pharisees and, and others who witnessed miracle after miracle of Jesus, and what do they do? They, they saw it was there, and yet they don't see. Yet they somehow ignore it. Yet they somehow reject him. Yet they didn't realize the miracle is right in front. I was visiting one of my friends in prison one time. Um, I, I go to him, and, and I was talking to him, and, and he said, uh, Sam, you know, if God showed me a miracle, then, then I'd believe in him. And, and I told him, I doubt it. I don't think you would. Because you'd come up with some excuse why not to. You'd say, oh, well, I was, I was just tripping. Or, oh, man, it was the Pruno, the, the jailhouse wine. Or, you know, I was drunk. Or it was like, oh, man, I, I am, I'm a little bipolar. Or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a, a million excuses why, even if God showed you a miracle, friend, that you wouldn't believe it. And the, I think that it's not just true for my prison friend. It's not just true for the Pharisees. It's true for all of us. Even when, when we know it should be true, yet we forget to actually take it in as true and let it change us as truth. So this author, John, he starts this morning with a, like a slap in the face, with a splash of water, a cry to make sure that we dial in and we don't run past what he's about to say. And as your pastor, I concur. Don't let these moments pass by this morning. God brought you here on purpose. He has something to say to you, every single one of you this morning, whether you're here in person or whether you're watching this online. God has something to say to you. So listen. Not because of me, because I don't have anything for you. But I do want to tell you what God wants to say to you this morning, yes, today, right now, if we'll just listen. Here's what he says. See, you're going to see something great. See what great. Great means exceeding or large or amazing or best or biggest. I'd like you to think of something that's great right now. Think of something in your, what would you consider anything in, be a, any type of genre, movie, item, whatever. What's great? On the count of three, I want you to say just out loud. Ready? Say something great out loud. One, two, three. Ice cream. Yeah. Thank you. I heard, thank, that's nice. Several comments. That was really nice of you to say that about me. Yeah, right. Um, great things are like Michael Jordan, right? Michael Jordan's great. The Avengers, uh, winning the lottery, that'd be pretty great. Sunsets on the beach, Great. Twilight, the movie series. Not the books, but the movie series. Yeah, just kidding. That one's not great. Great things tend to be obviously so. Great things are things like we all kind of agree. You don't even have to explain why it's great. It just is great. They're great because of, in reality they are great in addition to us enjoying them as great. So great can mean something as amazing like uh, Jerry Williams playing every single week. That can be great. Or it can be large, like the Great Canyon in Arizona. It's also very grand, but it is a great canyon because it's huge. And in this verse, we're going to see great being fulfilled in both of those kind of ways. One as being amazing and the other as being exceedingly large as it references God's love for us. So here's, here we go in our verse. See what great love. 
See what great love. Now we're getting to the good stuff. Love is, love is absolutely this amazing feeling. But love is a decision. And love is a commitment. And love is more valuable than gold, and we all know it. That, that when you have love, you wouldn't trade it for anything in the universe. Poems are written about it. Songs are sung about it. It's the fuel of the universe. But in our verse today, it's not human love we're talking about. It's not Valentine's Day today. It's something much greater. We're talking about the love of God. Let's look at our next section as we build this out. See what great love the Father. Now, Father's a loaded word here, especially for us on the planet. Father is, is positive for some of us. Father is negative for some of us. Some of us, we have mixed feelings in the word Father. But I want, to listen, I want you to listen carefully. Father should be, Father ought to be, only positive. Our earthly experience is not always this, but it's supposed to be. And when we think of God in regard to God, His love is only and always positive without any of the negative connotations that we may have in our experience. Fathers are supposed to guide and love and care. They're safe, it's secure, they're strong and gentle and kind and caring and warm. Everything a father ought to be like is a reality with God. And so he says, see what great love the Father has lavished. See what great love the Father has lavished. Now, lavish means to pour on abundantly, to like overdo it. Rich people love to actualize the word lavish. So a rich person, they go to the dentist and they come out looking like this. That first picture, or second picture, I guess. Yep, that's, that's, what that's what lavish looks like, a little bit overdone. You take your car to the mechanic, and then uh, your car comes looking like this after that. You have a little bit too much, right? Uh, maybe you're going to remodel your bathroom, and then this happens. Yeah, that, that's lavished when you gold plate your, your, uh, where your bum sits, you know, something like that. That's a little bit lavished. Your re restroom facilities. Lavished is ridiculous. Lavish is massive. It's, it's too much. It's like, a, that, that's like unacceptable amount. There were an unacceptable amount of crystals on that car, right? There was an unacceptable amount of diamonds in that man's grill, right? Like he had, he had some serious diamonds. That is too much. It's overdone, overkill. And that is how God speaks about his love for you. God's love is exceedingly overdone. And it's reserved for you. God doesn't speak of his love about the creation or the animals. He speaks of it about you and I. See what great love the Father has lavished on, on us. On us. Open your eyes and notice the amazing love that God feels for, for you. Pause. Don't rush by, but listen. Not to my words, but to God's words. I'm just quoting a Bible here. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. God says, I love you. I want you to be my child. I choose you. And I'll do anything to get you. I have done anything. I will leave heaven and I will conquer hell for you. I've endured everything to make you my child. Now, you don't need to deserve it. And you can't possibly earn it. I love you already, God says. Flaws and all. I love you right where you're sitting right now. 
I love you right now more than you can even comprehend with an lavished, overwhelming love. And it's not simply an activity or a feeling or an action of God. It's an essential part of who He is. It's a character attribute. He is love. Later in this book of 1 John, it says God is love, simply stating it's who He is as a being. And the us of this verse is those who have chosen to make Jesus our Lord and Savior. Now, God generally loves all humanity, but there's a, there's a difference that comes when you say, God, I'm going to make you the Lord of my life. I'm going to give my life to you through Jesus, my Savior. Then that takes away the barrier of receiving and experiencing God's love. And then that love just floods into us. And I think this is the part that we probably run past too fast. Because maybe, maybe even after all these years, you don't think that you deserve it. And you're 100% right. You don't deserve it. But, but God gives it to you anyway. His love is an absolutely free gift. So you just have to receive it and say, thank you. And it, it's not a one-time gift. It's not that the, you say yes to Jesus and that was the one time you got God's love. It is a daily offering that God has for you. It is a moment-by-moment -moment reality He wants you to live in. If you will receive it, not earn it, not live up to it, not buy it or bargain for it or beg for it, just receive it. So I'd like you... I'd like to invite you to try it with me right now in the middle of the sermon here. Would you do something with me? We're just going to pause. We're going to practice maybe receiving God's love. Don't reject it like the Pharisees or my friend in prison. Would you just try this with me? Would you just pause, open your hands, and would you close your eyes and breathe in? And as you exhale, simply say, God, I receive your love. And then smile. And, and then say thank you. Ready? Breathe in, exhale. God, I receive your love. And then smile, because that's a great thing. And tell them thank you. That's how we receive gifts, right? In, in reality, that's how we do. Someone gives you a gift, you take it, you receive it, you smile, and you say thanks. And God is offering you that gift today. And in this coming week, you're going to need to hear God's voice of love to you. Maybe there's going to be a stressful situation at work or maybe your kids are driving you crazy or you're going to get some difficult news or, or you're dealing with an aging parent and sometimes you get to your wit's end and you need to just pause and receive from God. Not on your own ability, not because your spouse will take care of your needs, but, but from God. And I want to invite you this week to, to take those moments where you just pause and say, God, I want to receive your love right now. I know you're giving it to me. I know it's available. I've been closed off to it, but I'm going to receive it right now. Open your hands and just receive that. Okay, so now let's get back to building our verse. It was going, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called. Called is to call out, to give title to, not just to name something, but to give a title and privilege to. The Father is going to bestow something on you and it's more than just a name. It's a reality change. As God spoke creation into existence, He has spoken a status change over you. So He says, not only do I love you, not only do I want you to receive my love, but I'm going to call you something different. What am I going to call you from now on? 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children. A child is an heir. A child is one who is loved by their parent, the owner of the heart of that parent. I have a family picture of my family. You guys know my family. Each of these are called my children. My wife is not my child, of course, but they're our children, other than my lovely wife. Uh, So one was called to us by birth. One was called... Uh, from Korea through adoption as an infant. And one was called from China by adoption. And and one was called through marriage to our son. And that picture right here, this picture represents the most important people on the planet to me. My children have an inexplicable, breath-tightening hold on my heart. Those of you with kids, maybe you understand. You understand what I'm saying. Other kids are nice and stuff, but my kids, they got, a, they got a different hold on my heart. And that's what God calls you. You're not a pawn. You're not a servant. You're not a distant, amoral object. You are his child, a called child of God. See it right here. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, undeserved, unborn, but adopted into. God has declared it. Now, I've been called a lot of things in my life, but none so sweet as being called a child of God. Perhaps if you've been in the church a long time, you don't realize what an insane statement this is, that you could be called the children of God, that you and I can actually have a relationship as a child to the God of the universe, the creator of all things, that kind of God that you are his child. We hear it so easily, but, but it's more enormous than we can even imagine. Like I, I'm sure my daughter Kayla, she would say that being my child is pretty cool. Uh, but there is an upgrade available, and not just a slightly better upgrade. There's an eternally better upgrade to have God as her father. Categorically better, eternity-altering option of God being her father, and I want her to have that. And the, the really neat part is if you have great parents, God allows you to have them too and be God your father. And it finishes off with this last part. It says, and that's who you are. See what great love the Father has lavished on you that he would call you children of God? And that's who you are. Security in actuality. No maybe, no ambiguity, and not based on feelings or your actions or what you did or didn't do or how many times you messed up this week or how many sins you've done or if you, whether you did that same sin for the 40,000th time and it's a habit and you haven't been able to get rid of it for 25 years. It is not based in any of those things. God's love for you, once you receive it, he says, you're my child and that's who you are. I love that this sentence follows the first because we're so tempted to discount ourselves to say that he can't be talking about me. He, it, it can't be because all of this that's wrong with me, all this stuff that is messed up inside of me, but God says, I don't care about what's messed up inside of you. I love you. And it's not conditional on your worth. It's my giving you a gift. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're worth it. I'm giving it to you anyway. Jesus says it's who you are. You possess this already 
It's who you are and that's what God thinks of you. Anything else that your brain or the enemy tells you, that's a lie. If you're being told by your own self or by the enemy that you're not good enough or that you're, you're a mess or that you're hopeless or, or nothing's going to be able to fix you or it's going to stay like this or you deserve bad things or any of these kind of negative lies, those aren't from God. That's not how he views you. Those are from the enemy and you've got to reject them. You're not a waste or you're not useless and you're not a failure. You're not unlovable. Those are all Lies. That's not who you are. Declares the word of God, not me. It doesn't matter what Pastor Sam thinks about you, and it doesn't matter what your spouse thinks about you, or your kids think about you, or your parents said about you. It doesn't matter any of those things. These are the words of God. I'm just conveying to you this morning a verse from the Bible that God talks about you and who you are. How do we process this, though? Like, I sometimes feel fairly regularly that, that I want to reject that. So I encounter God's love, and it starts to overwhelm me. And I'm like, God, I, that's too much for me almost. How, how, do, I, how do I internalize that? It's, it's almost too much, and yet here it is. And I would say, just like my, my children, they didn't do anything to deserve my love or to earn my love. My, my newborn, he hadn't done anything before he was born. He comes out, and I love him immeasurably. Before he had done anything, he had just sat inside of a belly. And my daughter, before she had come down the stairs, she was delivered, actually, they used to, uh, some adoptions used to be delivered from Korea, so she was delivered, like, down the stairs at LAX. Someone brought her to us, like, literally, like, UPS brought our, our beautiful angel coming down these stairs to us. We had loved her for months before as we'd been praying over her and watching her picture. My, my son, who was... Uh, in China, we filled out his adoption papers months and months before he even knew anyone was adopting him. We were staring at and praying over his picture long before we, he even knew that we existed. They hadn't done anything. So next time you, you think like, oh, I'm not worthy of it because I didn't do anything or I didn't do enough or this or this or this, it doesn't matter. That's not how child-parent relationship works. You love your kid as a parent, even before you met them, before they did anything at all, you absolutely love them. And that's how, how, how God sort of views us. So I love my kids a fraction of the amount that God loves us. I mean, an in, infinitesimal fraction of the, the wave and ocean of, God, uh, of God's love for each of you. So if you're ever in that place of despair or regret, when, when grace seems as, as far off as the stars in the sky, or, or hope feels like it's going to get snuffed out like, a, like the, the flame of a candle. Just remember, remember God's word to you, that you are my child. It's who you are, regardless of your circumstances or your feelings or your difficulties or your aches. It's who you are. Now, this kind of love, if we can take it in, it, it changes us. It, it frees us. If we can actually start to receive this and not try to earn it or, or like, you know, live up to it or something, if we can just actually start to receive that in reality, where we're sitting right now in our real lives, if, if we can actually start to open up our hearts a little bit, it will change us. It'll, God's overflowing love will change how we talk to our kids. It'll, it'll change how we... 
uh, schedule our planner. It'll change how we interact with our friends or our coworker or our parents. God's great love will alter how, we, how you will approach your job tomorrow. If you allow it to soak deep into your soul, it'll begin to shift your priorities. It'll allow God, if you allow God's truth to be true, it'll change how you view yourself. It'll alter your inner monologue. His love will heal and refresh you inside. So normally when I give a sermon, I have like some application points and some take-homes and some things you need to do, but, but I don't have any of that today. All I have is that I want you to grasp this reality. I just want you to sit in it this morning. And I just want you to receive it all week long. If we can just grab and hold on to this truth of God's love for us, then everything will be an application <laughs> because this truth is going to alter us fundamentally at our core. And it, and it doesn't matter if you've heard this a bunch because I've heard it a bunch and I've just preached it out. But I'm not sure even now if I am receiving it. So let's unblock our blocking of God's love together, even right now as we, we turn to Him. So let's try to unblock ourselves and get open to God as we close in a time of worship. We're going to, if you're willing, I want you to invite you to, to go ahead and take that, just some space right now, a few moments to receive God's love. Maybe, so you've heard all this, right? You've seen the verse today. It's, it's sitting, it's soaking, and I'm going to pray over us and, I, and for myself. I want to receive this. I don't want to walk out of here today unaffected. God, would you help us? We sing about your love. We talk about your love. We read about your love. Your word says that you love us. And yet somehow, somehow I managed to block it. God, help me to stop blocking it. And help me to to open up my heart to your reality, to listen to your words, not the enemy's, to, to listen to your truth, not my own mind's lies. Help us. We open our hands to you.